You're listening to the Sales Process Excellence Podcast with Michael Webb. Some people focus on making more sales calls, reaching higher level decision makers, and selling value propositions. Other people focus on finding data, understanding cause and effect, and conducting experiments. My name is Michael Webb. This is the Sales Process Excellence Podcast where we focus on both of those things in order to create wealth for everyone. Today, I'm thrilled to have a guest, uh, Adrian Figueroa of Cadence Aerospace. Adrian has a background as an engineer, leading manufacturing organizations, leading continuous improvement and lean initiatives um, in several different companies. Uh, and um, from our little chat here, before we get started on this podcast, I'm really excited about the kinds of things he's going to be able to bring to us. So, Adrian, welcome here. Hi, Michael. Thank you for having me on your show. Um, I would it'd be great. Can you just give us like a minute of of background and tell us how you got to be where you are and what you do at uh, Cadence Aerospace? Yeah. So. My first start was as a manufacturing engineer in aerospace industry. And there I was learning just the principles of achieving the numbers. And all I cared about was doing my job well. From that point, you know, I started getting a little bored with what I was doing. And I went back to school and I ended up finding a new job, which gave me more opportunity to grow. And that's where actually I fell into lean manufacturing. Now, lean ended up opening my world up until this point in my life, where the expansion from being able to use those tools, methodologies in manufacturing, but then in other industries, it just became so, at first, overwhelming, but so exciting at the same time. So for my first job, going to my second, beginning to implement the lean principles, so I ended was, up seeing... This was in a roofing system, uh, not the first company, but the second company was made, uh, roofing products. Is that, is that correct? DECRA roofing systems? Yeah, I should say I moved from aerospace industry to the buildings and industrial build, uh, okay. industries. Okay. So from there, that's where I started, again, implementing the lean tools mainly because I was excited about doing that. Um, and just in general, I, I love working with people. So over time, you know, it was very, I would say, easy for me to be implementing these tools and talking to the people on the floor. And about four years later, um, after being a lean leader, I was given the opportunity to move into the manufacturing manager role. At that point, you know, I didn't do a thing really within the first month of new large projects doing all this data analysis, where can we go to next? You just saw a jump in the performance of efficiencies and motivation, and I can say morale, within that first month to a point where nobody really understood what was going on, thought maybe I was tweaking the numbers. And, you know, <laughs> and over time, it, it seemed like, you know, I, even I had to get some self-reflection where I was looking at it and saying, how did that happen? And the more I was looking into, you know, the second half of lean or its respect for people, I started reading up more about that. And so like reading that, hey, what I was doing by just listening to others and working with them on their project teams, no matter how big the issue was, I was there to be able to help where I could. And 
over time, that created a connection with all the individuals on the floor. So by the time I jumped into the role, you know, I had supported everyone along the way that it looked like they were mirroring that back to me. And now in my new role, they wanted to support me. And so the motivation was on two sides. And hmm. that's, that's where we, I mean, the results just jumped, like I said, enormously. And it was fun after that point. So that's the sort of thing that people might call the magic of personality. Is that right? Yeah. I mean, that's part of why I do what I do now. It's mainly focusing on the people side, still within the continuous improvement realms of either Lean or Six Sigma. Um, but I'm more heavily concentrated on behaviors and people rather than tools. Now, that is the field, uh, the sort of thing that people consider to be soft, unmeasurable, subjective. Um, you can't really replicate it. You don't really have any way of knowing what's going on. Um, but do you agree with that position? Oh, yeah. I think soft skills are very hard <laughs> to to measure and, and see your gains from that. And I think, you know, that's why a lot of businesses struggle with actually giving any kind of trainings or really focusing on that side of it because, you know, where are the results from it? And that's the type of thing that actually is probably the most time-consuming aspect for showing the results. And that's what I actually like is I try and position myself in businesses that are in for the long run and instead of the short-term gains, because on the behavioral side, unfortunately, it does take a while to gain that connection with others and to build that stability with those people in the processes they're working. So because when you go ahead, I was just going to say, because, you know, you have your process that's built or <clears throat> excuse me, for the employees or created for the employees. And you can only do so much with them. They come in, they have a bad day. They come in There's so many variables from the human aspect that, that, you know, can, make that process fail that the more you can like in a sense control but not really but you're creating that set safe environment for them to work on and have more enjoyment at being at work the easier a flow it is for them to follow those process steps okay but would you agree because i'm going to push back a little bit to one of the things mm -hmm. that you said a moment ago it, it would you agree that the the principles of process excellence, operational excellence, this idea of respect for people and all the ramifications of it, doesn't that provide a sort of repeatable or a framework so for being able to tell if you're making progress in those relationships with people? Oh, yeah. You definitely need both from both sides. I mean, one can't work without the other. Um, but from where I see it is that too many businesses just focus on the tools only and then wonder why they can't see these gains or they see it for a short period of time, then it goes back to normal. But you're you're definitely correct. I'd agree with, you know, the frameworks that's needed from operational excellence, let's just say, um, you have to understand where you're at in the business, assess it, measure it, and then implement forward, you know, whatever journey the business decides to take. Go through with those steps, learn from it, and make your adjustments as you go, as long as everybody's on the same path towards the same targets or goals. So years ago, I was a sales trainer um, with a company uh, a company called Impacts Corporation. 
Um, mm -hmm. That doesn't matter. There's lots of good sales training outfits out there. But one of the things that we did that we focused on with the client was to help the salespeople learn to uh, conduct um, interviews, questions, conversations. They have a skill at active listening in conversations so mm -hmm. that they could learn more about the debates and arguments even going on inside their uh, prospect, prospect company, their client companies, right? Because there mm -hmm. is a debate that always goes on inside those companies where people are trying to figure out what are the right decisions to make? What are the right priorities? What are the real causes of these problems? And right. to me, what process excellence, any flavor, what it brings is, um, as I said in, a, in another conversation recently, it brings like the bumper guards on the bowling alley, right? If your goal is to hit the pins and that's reality, you need a way to stay in the lane in contact with reality to be able to figure out what the right changes are that will create improvement. And mm -hmm. you can't do that if you don't respect people. You can't do that if they think you're trying to take advantage of something or short circuit them, right? You have to exactly. have this, this participation in this rational discussion and be open to all the facts and the evidence. And as a leader, demonstrate how to do that effectively. Would you agree with that? Oh, yeah, 100%. I mean, that's all about where I stand right now with my own personal principles and what I try to bring every day to the work place where authentic authenticity and connection are the two biggest things for me and what I try driving within myself and with other people. Because exactly what you're saying, you know, if you're on the sales side and marketing side, you can't just speak to people with, I'm in it for number one, because people can see right through it from the beginning. Even the way you walk up to them and approach the other person, mm -hmm. it doesn't matter where you are. They're going to see whether, you know, lack of better terms, you're full of it <laughs> or whether you do want to make some sort of genuine connection and open up about who you are. And over time, I mean, you're going to end up building this relationship, which then allows somebody to open up and give more information about their needs, their struggles, what's going on. Because everybody's safe, you know, they're, they're guarded in the beginning. They don't know who you are. But the biggest person within a group, let's say, of two when speaking is the one that can be the most vulnerable and begin opening them up, up about themselves. And from there is when you see people start to relax. And then again, more information comes out and it looks like you two are working in agreement with each other, or if it's a group of people working in agreement with each other. And that's where you really get to, you know, the customer's needs and even your own self. It's fun along the way. So, so you mentioned to me earlier that you, you had, were looking for a way to influence not just a given department or function, but all the different departments or functions in an organization. Uh, mm -hmm. Along these lines, with process improvement and these leadership and, and vulnerability skills, I guess, if you will. Um, and mm -hmm. that's kind of what your role. Tell us about your role at, at Cadence. And then, if you could, I'm going to ask you to give us an example of a project or a conversation even that illustrates that point that you just made about authenticity and honesty and getting cooperation when there might not have been some before. Okay. Um, so right now at Cadence Aerospace, I'm the head of continuous improvement for our seven divisions. Uh, when I first got brought into uh, our Anaheim facility, which is the corporate side, 
that was the biggest turnaround that was needed. It was by far the worst behind all the other divisions. We're talking on-time delivery around 50%, just loss and profitability month after month. WIF was just way too much <laughs> on the floor. Mm. And so our cash flow is all tied up. And so, you know, one of the first things we did, you know, we got a senior, a new senior executive team on and they're very, very pro lean. And so when they, it was very easy to implement when it's top down driven as well. Okay. So stop you there for just a second. What kind of experiences had they had in the past that led them to be very pro lean, as you put it? Well, they're mainly in the aerospace industry, a lot of years in the UTC group. Um, and from there, they took a lot of the principles from lean and Shinjujitsu trainings along with them because they saw how powerful it was and how it worked. So they so had I, the opportunity to live it themselves. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Many, many years of doing that. That makes sense. Okay. Okay. Then go mm -hmm. continue, please. Yeah. So as they, they boarded on with us, uh, and like I said, it was about the same time as I started uh, and in getting that executive help on being top driven. This is what we're going to do. This is a journey. This is how we see the business growing. Let's begin. And like I said, again, 50% on-time delivery, loss of profitability. Going along the way, what we had to see is understand where our business was. And that was measuring everything that, you know, that we could from delivery, quality, um, just efficiencies on the ground, the whip. We wanted to see, okay, where are we at? And now how are we structured second step? We need to put these into our lean value streams. Okay, go through the whole principle using the tools, everything that there is out there about putting it into the value streams that is best for the business. Once we got that, and then it's structurizing the people within those lean value streams. <clears throat> Evaluate everybody we have in the business, their strengths, their weaknesses, where we can utilize them. And unfortunately, you know, you do have some casualties of war. I don't think, you know, there's, it might be very rare, but, you know, business to lose some people here and there for ones that just, you know, don't, don't really adjust well to the lean uh, right. initiatives. Mm -hmm. So you have some casualties, but you know, once you really have the right people in place, that's what helps you drive to your goals. So when we had everybody there, the third step was then let's start really implementing the processes of lean tools along the way. And just to, I would say, I guess, speed up the, uh, to the results portion of it, um, in a matter of only eight months, you wouldn't believe the turnaround. I mean, we dropped our, our whip dropped by $12 million. Ooh. And the on-time delivery went from 50% to 95%. And we became a profitable business at the same time. No one thought that that could actually happen. And on top of that, I mean, that's always talking, speaking about operations, right, um, from the gains you there. But the business on the top line growth, I mean, initially, again, when I started, we were losing customers left and right. Nobody wanted to put their, you know, bring, give us their parts to manufacture. And so they were pulling out business. We probably lost anywhere from, you know, 15 to $20 million in the course of just a year on business. Now we have more customers coming to us plus the ones that pulled out and we're looking at 35 plus million dollars potentially over the next five years per year 
because we actually along the way didn't only implement the process within our own people and framework, <clears throat> excuse me, we were bringing in the customers and they were living it with us. So it was way more powerful to have them along the way and say, hey, we credit them what they were doing and we're going to go back and tell our people. Okay, so can you give us an example of an improvement where a group of people were struggling, the numbers were bad, they didn't know what change would create improvement, there was this debate and conflict internally, as there always is, because of lack mm -hmm. of resources and you know the blame game and not really understanding other people's perspective. Can you give an example of a situation like that and then where this... Um, authenticity, this disarming honesty and vulnerability enabled a breakthrough to happen. Yeah, so I'll take the uh, the WIP example, the reduction of $12 million. This business had been used to large batch systems. So anybody that, you know, has been working with a lean knows what difficulty it is breaking people of batch. <laughs> yeah. Using batch uh, mentalities. So when you have the people on the floor, you know, saying, no, we, we need to have this batch of this size. And we're saying why? And they're coming back with, well, you know, that's just the way we've been doing things. It's like, well, here's some tools. Let us train. Let us show you what these tools are saying from a theoretics standpoint of view. And let's see if we can make this actually happen. So we're using the lean tools again to figure out what is our actual SWIP numbers along the, each process. What was that? The, spell that out? SWIP? S-W-I-P? Uh, yes. The so standard work in, in progress. Standard work in progress. Right. Are you so using standard costing? For that. You're using standard costing? Uh, no. It's just there's a calculation for your what? how much width should you actually have in your process. Okay. And so that way you can start to see, you know, what makes sense as a batch or not when you're trying to go for a single piece flow. Mm -hmm. And so we're training on all the core um, principles for lean. And along the way, we're challenging the people with their help. So, okay, here's where it makes sense to possibly have batch sizes of this size. And so, oh, okay, you know, they're listening to us. They see that, you know, this is what we need to do. And so, yeah, well, at the same time, it's also because that's what the data is telling us. And so, we still want to achieve single police flow where it makes sense, but we want to maximize to any level, whether it's batch system or it's, it is a single piece flow. And so just by the interactions of working them day on, day out, of here's the tools, here's the data, here's what we're seeing. Do you guys agree? Yes or no? Over time, we were actually started to reduce WIP just because it was getting easier to work with the, the people on the floor and get their buy-in. Ah, okay. And, so out of curiosity, what type of product are you manufacturing? Is it like a small part or a bracket? Are these big pieces? Are they engineered pieces? I mean, what 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 type of product are you making? Uh, so right now, we like to call them, for lack of a better term, uh, stringers. Uh, we call them long and skinnies, and we have short and fat. So we're <laughs> somewhere between <laughs> like six six foot long parts um, to you know thirty foot long parts right now. They're made of so metal, we have, right? Uh, Right, aluminum and titanium. Okay. And, and those uh, right now, that you know, they're, they're made on the CNC machines, so five axis or even three axis. Are so they partially assembled? Do you have to also assemble or are you just making the parts? 
Yeah, no, we we do have some assembly operations. Okay. So it's uh, but it's very it's very little. So things start improving because the working on the line with the people is starting to get easier, and the reason it's getting easier is because they're understanding better what you're trying to do. Right. Yeah. Living that day in day out, they understand where we're going, whether they like it or not, in a sense, because there's always a you know that change battle between just the uh, new new methods and ways of doing things on the floor. Um, but over time, again, I mean, you get that you get that buy-in, but you have to really be working with them daily. You can't just force them down or else you don't have them on, on the lines being able to support you at the same time. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. Okay. And so what's an example of, of showing up authentically where there was some kind of conflict and some vulnerability um, helped to break the ice and help to get to the truth of the matter. Yeah, so we have a production manager, been there for, you know, 15 plus years, very knowledgeable about all the parts, very knowledgeable how the, it's run on all the machines. And, I mean, daily, daily, it's not, it was just a struggle, a battle about, you know, you explain, you explain the tools, where we're going, and no, it's not going to work. That's not going to work. No, 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 no. And every day it's like, well, here's why it would work or how it can work. You explain to them. And then even after, you know, let's say a few weeks, start to try and change like the way you speak to them and say, hey, like, I understand. I see what you see, but let's work together. How can we make this work together? You got to change it from the no to how can we? Mm -hmm. and, and allow them to explore, say, okay, What's your barriers? What are your constraints? Oh, because of this, 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 okay, forget about all that. Clean slate. How can you make it happen? What do you need to make it happen? And what is, you know, the person who come back with is just say, hey, um, I need this, two, three, four, and five. And then management team looks at it. Okay, you can have one, two, and three. He's like, oh, I didn't know. Yeah, that's a change. That was even, uh, yeah, he's like, I didn't know that that was possible. It's like, well, this is what I'm saying. You get bring everything to the table. We will work with you, but we have to have it on, on both ends. Please listen to us. We'll listen to you. And this is how we operate. You know, we want to show you that we're, we're here for you guys as well as we're here to achieve, you know, the ultimate business um, goal at the same time. And so once they started seeing like, oh, the, the business is actually, you know, willing to invest in us, willing to do things of, of what we need, then that's what became easier over time. And, you know, it's really hard to explain on the soft skill side, like we were saying, where if I'm speaking to somebody, you know, it, it can be in the way I'm presenting it. You know, I can't be yelling it. I, I can't be, you know, arms crossed, you know, angry face. You have to be very welcoming and show that safe environment. Listen, let them vent, listen to them. And then, you know, just have a normal conversation with them. But don't get angry. You know, that's one of the first things I learned when I was really excited about implementing the tools. No, we got to do it this way. We got to do it this way, guys. Come on, let's go. And I had to learn over time too, you know, it's it's okay. You know, teach it to them and it's going to take time, but make sure, you know, don't show, you know, too much frustration. It's very hard to do, <laughs> but you have to, again, listen to them, allow them to feel like they've been heard and then work with them. And I'm I'm not going to lie, it's a lot of work. I mean, it takes a lot of patience. 
But if you want that sustainable results over a long period of time, you have to put the effort into. That's that's a great story and a great example, <clears throat> and totally agree with you. Human beings are the only creatures that can do the thinking required to create value. And right. so each one has unique knowledge, unique orientation and skill, and they're doing the best they can. And they have unique potential, but they can only think for themselves. You have to find a way that there's a common interest between what they want and what you want. And that requires a lot of thinking also. Um, arguably, it's harder thinking as the manager because you have to think about them and their point of view and holding the context is a tough thing. So thank you. You you fulfilled my, my request to get a, an example of that. And I mean, look at this long chain of reasoning from the problem on the shop floor to how we, you know, manage the materials and the scheduling of the machines all the way to this shop floor manager or machine operator thinking from a different perspective and then helping them to break through to some new idea that they don't think will work and then showing them that we do think it'll work and we will put that energy behind it and then learning from it together because it never turns out the way you would expect it to. But slowly, like you said, lots and lots of work over time, but ultimately rewarding work in the end with those kinds of, of uh, results that you guys have shown. And you've done it several times uh, over the years uh, in your career. So good on you. All right. Thank you. So let's turn, since this is a podcast about customer-facing operations mm -hmm. and sales and marketing, can you give me a, one last story that is a sales and marketing example? Yeah, so actually back to uh, my Decker Roofing days, uh, I was also given the opportunity to work with the sales and marketing team. There was no sales processes at all. <laughs> uh, we were losing business there. and. Um, Again, I was getting an opportunity to work with them just to show them, okay, here's, you know, lean manufacturing principles, but here's how they could be utilized in the sales and marketing world. And that's actually, you know, when I'm looking for new resources back at that time, that's where I found your materials. I was searching online and, mm -hmm. you know, okay, what what's some good, you know, what's some reference material out there that I can use for more and more examples um, that I want to give these guys. I found your both of your books, The Lean and Six Sigma, uh, for sales and marketing, and also the sales process excellence. Mm -hmm. Snatched them right up, you know, bought those things, read through them. I'd say, you know, within like a month, <laughs> <laughs> and did my own crash course, like from a lot of your examples, just so I can initially get buy-in with the sales team because they're they're spread out all over the state. But I was working with the VP of sales there at that time, and he was a very very open guy, which made it very easy to work with because um, every day we were saying, okay, what's the sales process going to look like? You know, I had great reference material from yours, like, hey, you know, this is what what I'm seeing. How could we utilize this? Is it something that makes sense for us? Mm -hmm. um, it actually it actually was um, our the VP of sales. He had actually been working with a system like that in his prior roles that was pretty close. Mm -hmm. So we started mirroring the two together. Okay, what's the best of both worlds? And so we then, you know, created a sales process, again, very similar to what yours um, states in the books, and we were rolling that out to the sales team and having more direct contact with them, either like flying them back in for meetings and then just having more connections with them throughout the week on 
um, updates on how well they're doing with the new material and what they're seeing um, out there on the field and gaining the information back. And it was, you know, for the first three months, we had a, a lot of, of good progress back then. I think it was, you know, we were probably averaging between 200, two to 300,000 um, a month. And within those first three months, we were actually able to gain about another hundred thousand uh, dollars of revenue. And it's just the more interactions that we were teaching them along a sales process path and giving them those tools to be able to use, I really felt helped just because it provided that structure for them. You know, I think everybody um, gets lost with, you know, sales and marketing, there, there, is, there can be really no structure, you know, it's too abstract. And uh, no, you know, there's still <laughs> a structure behind it and you, you can measure that. And, as long as you're learning from it and giving it back to each other, then you'll be able to hit a goal, but along a structured path. Excellent. And did you have resistance in the sales force or did they, I mean, did they all just jump right in the boat? Oh no, the resistance is yeah, always there. <laughs> so the, the main resistance is back to the abstract thinking like, nah, yeah. I got, you know, you had a couple guys that, ah, you know, it's too much work for me to fill out this document or fill this out. And, you know, talk about things like this and give a, a, a small status update here and there. I just want to go out and do my thing. Um, and that we definitely um, over those few months still had people that were still doing that. And you can tell, you know, they were playing the game, but um, what their underlining uh, mission was, was to still be resistant for a while. Um, unfortunately, I couldn't stay there uh, longer um, past right. that, that time to give you more information. But from what I saw, just the overall approach from everybody and the feedback we were getting, they, they really enjoyed it because they went to, you know, the majority I should say went from, you know, they would go out to see the customers and they were kind of just kind of stuck. What am I going to talk to them about this time? What, right. Um, I'm, I'm not sure. Well, now that we've given you the tools and methods of, you know, recording your work, asking, asking these type questions, getting this information. Now you have follow-up questions. Now you right. have, you know, what's their business needs and coming back to the VP of sales and the other marketing team, how do we give them what they're asking for? And so it, it, a lot of them really enjoyed that. They really liked being able to go back to the customer and now have, you know, lack of better terms, things to talk about to them. Yes. <laughs> you know? Well, and you, you're building value into the company rather than relying on the special genius of a few salespeople to invent something on the fly. Right. Yeah. Cool. Very good. Well, we've talked for over a half an hour here, so this has been absolutely great. Uh, thank you for volunteering to, uh, to speak with me and share some of the stories of the successes that you've had both at DECRA uh, and um, at um, Cadence Aerospace. So, so uh, if someone wants to reach out and learn more about Cadence or about you and the work that you're doing there, how would they find you? Yes, yeah, so I am on LinkedIn, Adrian Figueroa. Um, I can send you my link in. Uh, yeah, we'll put that well information. And for an email, uh, adrian.figueroa at cadenceaerospace.com. So again, that I'll send that to you because I know the, the spelling sometimes messes up some people here and there. Sure. And then um, also with the other business that I have, uh, along with my wife, called improvitup.com, um, it's Connect at improvitup.com and that's I-M-P-R-O-V-I-T-U-P.com. 
Okay. And and that is a uh, consultancy about using the principles of improvisation, right? Right, for yeah. Business? What we do. For business purposes? At business and even in the education for students. So um, there, yeah, we use improv as a therapeutic tool, even though we're not therapists, but we use it as a therapeutic tool um, just for people to discover their potential and their authentic selves and, and uh, just to have fun doing that process along the way. Well, we should consider uh, perhaps if there are examples in sales and marketing, maybe we could do a podcast uh, with your wife and yourself on that topic. Do you think that would work? Oh, yeah. Yeah, we do have a great example of some salesmen that were in one of our workshops, too, and the trans- transformation that they, they saw just in a few weeks of work. So cool. We definitely get back together again. <laughs> cool. Well, that's great. Um, Adrian, thank you very much, and uh, we appreciate that. We'll talk to you again. And for everybody listening, uh, goodbye for now. We'll be back again soon. Take care. Bye-bye. The Sales Process Excellence Podcast is sponsored by Sales Performance Consultants. Discover how to improve your B2B sales with systems thinking at salesperformance.com.